Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, good morning, Passion Life Church. Uh, a little bit of a resume of our, of our lives. Uh, we came to the United States about 23 years ago, and uh, we've been here pastoring. We came over because we were involved in an apostolic team which had a very strong emphasis on planting churches. And so uh, a, a lot of couples moved out uh, from their native land in South Africa and planted churches in third world countries and first world countries and second world countries and all over the world. And so we've had the privilege of traveling all over and also pastoring about seven or eight different churches, I think it is, altogether, where we've been the lead couple, and on one occasion we were there as associate pastors since we've been here in the United States. And as Phil said, we established a Christian school, which uh, we are very thrilled to see it flourishing and, and growing, and are proud in the right kind of a sense of, of that word, of uh, what others who, who we've passed the baton, baton onto have accomplished uh, since we were there. So that's a little bit about our background. We've been here in the United States, did I say, 23 years altogether, and we are citizens and official and uh, uh, not here in any other way. So uh, that's a little bit about our background. We, we have loved pastoring, but we're now at a stage in our lives where we just want to be in a supportive role, where we can give something of our lives to support, encourage, uplift, help other people in ministry. And we are still passionately <clears throat> devoted to seeing the kingdom of God advancing, to see the church built, and to support wherever we can in whatever role God has for us. So that's a little bit about our background, and we want to just remind you that what you have been uh, receiving in terms of ministry in the last six or seven weeks has been on relationships and love. And uh, we wanted to focus, as uh, Phil himself said a moment ago, on uh, an aspect of relationships today, make a specific focus on the whole area of resolving conflicts. So Gina and I are not sitting here uh, this morning uh, as the experts. I want you to know that. <laughs> Let's get that out of the way uh, right from, from the get-go. But we're here just because we've had uh, 45 years of practice, okay? <laughs> and so uh, that's what we're going to be speaking about, and uh, we're going to just kick off. And, and we want to mention that a lot of... Uh, What's the problem? Oh. Uh, that a lot of uh, what we're going to be saying has a relevancy to, to marriage, yes, but there are many of you out there that are, that are sitting out there this morning who are single, who are not in a married, marriage relationship, and it applies across the board, not just to marriage, but your relationships that you have just in terms of uh, maybe best friends that you may be with another person or uh, friendships at work, or relationships at work, relationships with your children. And so, whilst we will be speaking very often into the whole marriage situation, please don't sit there and say, you know, 
uh, Lindsay and Gina spoke to us uh, this morning, and uh, it didn't really apply to, uh, to me because I'm not married, etc., etc. These are principles that apply across the board to our lives wherever we find ourselves, in whatever context we may be. And so uh, I want you to receive it in that kind of a sense. And we're, we're trusting the Lord, and we've prayed that the Lord will bless uh, this endeavor this morning and, and bless the Word. And, and we kind of like just want you to, to kind of eavesdrop on conversations that Gina and I will be having. And so we'll be conversing with one another, but we're kind of speaking to each other, but at the same time, we're speaking to you because you're eavesdropping, not in the wrong way, of course, <laughs> because it's pretty public and pretty <laughs> obvious and, and, and pretty vocal. Uh, you will be eavesdropping on some of the things that we say. So sometimes we'll address you and sometimes we'll address one another, and I hope that we don't end up in having an argument here right on the stage. <laughs> so well, Gina's going to kick off. We are very excited this morning because um, it's something... Uh, that is relevant to our lives, and none of us can avoid it, quite frankly. Um, so, you know, one of the things I just want to say first, it's, it's a pleasure for us to be up here and share God's Word. Um, and it's exciting uh, to see people grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. I, when Phil phoned us on Wednesday and asked us to do this, um, uh, this part of the, the ministry, I said, are you kidding me? Are you seriously kidding me? And I've been such a good girl since Wednesday that I haven't provoked my husband to any conflict at all. I've avoided the whole issue. So if we happen to just slip D up disagree. here a little, we ask you to just extend grace to us. Um, because it was been, it's actually been very, it's been very hilarious and very funny for us to be sitting down and discussing about conflict. And we say, seriously, do I really behave like that? Seriously? Uh, and I can see the twinkle in his eyes sometimes because I think, oh my goodness, I hope he's not going to say anything on stage about me. But anyway, <laughs> I'm willing to take a chance here. Okay. But I'm excited about having my grandson with me this morning. Gareth, thank you for coming, boy. And you listen to Granny. And if Granny talks too fast, you just go like that, okay? <laughs> because Granny tends to talk a little fast. And if you're sitting there and saying, my goodness, she's got an accent, well, so do you. Okay? <laughs> And yeah, you the guys with the accent, not us. <laughs> so this is it. What is conflict? And we look at the dictionary definition of con conflict, and it speaks about dispute, quarrel, squabble, disagreement, difference of opinion, clash, to be in opposition, uh, to be at odds with. Life is a journey. I want you to know that life is a journey from the cradle or wherever you want to start it, from the cradle right through. We cannot avoid relationships no matter how young or old you are. And I look at my little granddaughter who's turning four next month, and my goodness me, if you do not believe that man has a fallen nature, you need to have a child, <laughs> okay? Because it is so evident that we have got things within our hearts that need to be dealt with. And even with her, I, I see some things coming out and I think, where the heck did that come from? <laughs> well, the very fact that uh, men are from Mars and women are oh, from Venus, goodness. they're straight away, 
would uh, suggest that uh, there are the uh, beginnings of conflict right there because we're different people. We're different. Uh, God has made us differently. And someone once said that God had a great sense of humor in making, uh, making us male and female because it takes an absolute miracle for male and female to be able to live together in harmony and happiness. But we know, we know that it's possible to glorify God and it's possible through Him to honor Him and to glorify Him in a marriage and you know relationship. What? We, we, wonder, we wonder why the world is so confused when they're sticking to this Mars and Venus thing, you know. Um, no wonder people don't know who they are, male or female, you know, whatever. So, so, <laughs> there are great differences so going on So conflict is not necessarily something bad and destructive. I want to say that at the outset. And even when conflict is caused by our sin, our failure, and it brings about a great deal of stress in our lives, even then, God can use it for good. So let's start off by having a look at kind of where this conflict, what is its source and, and, and where does it come from? Well, conflict always starts in the heart. We have to be real about that. In James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you can't get it. So uh, if, you, if you analyze it and, and think about it and, and do that with, with me as I'm trying to bring this across to you, analyze and think, what are the sources or the causes or, or forms of conflict? And, and I come up with two or two, two of these forms suggest themselves to me. Uh, the first one is deliberate choices that we ourselves initiate and uh, we'll elaborate on that a little, bit, a little bit more in a few moments. But uh, the other one is, is uninvited conflicts that occur. Think Excellent. about that for, for a second. Uh, we live in a world in which uh, a lot of strange things and, and, uh, and a lot of things that are contrary to God's word and contrary to our morals and contrary to the principles that maybe we've been raised by and, and, and raised with and don't sit right with us and they just feel wrong when we come across them. What? No, you need to look at me. Oh. <laughs> I'm here. All right. <laughs> Uh, but I am talking to the congregation as well. I'll go for it then. Okay. <laughs> so so I, I think that it's important to understand that, that we have sometimes uninvited conflict that comes to us because, because it has been foisted upon us. It is uninvited. It occurs because of the world that we live in. And so you might come across that in the workplace. You may come across that in the local church. You may come across that uh, in society at large and, 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 and in general. And uh, you are called upon to respond and to react to that. And uh, the way in which we react to conflict that is uninvited is very, very important. And I can think of two uh, histor great historic examples that, that come to mind of people who didn't invite it, but due to the circumstances and due to the time, the era and the time period in, in, in which they lived, were confronted with conflicts which were not of their own making or their own choosing. And uh, I just want to give you two exam examples. For example, Mahatma Gandhi, 
who was born in India, India. Most of you know who he was, so I'm not going to give you some kind of uh, uh, rundown of, of his life. But, but, but a great man who took on the issues of, of civil rights in the country that he lived. And he actually visited South Africa, my, the country of our birth, for a period of, of time as well and addressed some of those issues in South Africa long before uh, you know, the apartheid problem became what it was. And so uh, he, he traveled all around. He, he lived in England, for, in, in, in London, and in, in Britain for a period of time. And then, of course, uh, did most of his work uh, uh, in, uh, in, in, in his own home country, his native uh, land of, of India. And you might say, well, Mahatma Gandhi wasn't a Christian, but what I'm sharing with you here is that the principles for which he stood and the principles and how he handled those principles in his life are true no matter whether a person is a Christian or not. So he is a good example. And closer to home here, I think Martin Luther, Luther King was a man who, um, who embodied that as well. And when he was sitting in that Birmingham, Alabama prison for a period of time after his arrest, he wrote these words. He said, I submit that an individual who breaks a law that conscience tells him is unjust and who willingly accepts the penalty of imprisonment in order to arouse the conscience of the community over its injustice is in reality expressing the highest respect for law. And so here were men who, who, who lived their lives and who were champions of civil rights and champions uh, against injustice, uh, who, who stood up for what was not uh, invited by themselves, but nevertheless they stood up for this. So though, there are two good examples, and as I said to you earlier on, you could find examples in society at large or in the workplace or, you know, where, wherever of things that weren't, wasn't, that weren't invited uh, by, by you. But consider how both of those men, one a Christian, the one a, the one a Hindu, handled those uninvited conflicts in their lives and devoted their, in fact, devoted their whole lives to, to overcoming those, the, the, those uh, injustices. Uh, how did they handle it? They handled it with such grace. They handled it with incredible love. They handled it with, with forgiveness towards those who had abused them and who had, had uh, imposed those injustices upon them. And so there, right in itself, when there is an uh, injustice which comes from outside, which is imposed upon you, that is the way, that is the model, that is the example, I believe. And that is the biblical basis, not just because Luther and Gandhi did it, but the Bible itself teaches us how to handle things. And we can handle it with, the, if we can handle those kind of conflicts with that type of grace and love and conviction, then we have handled it correctly. The other form of conflicts is much more personal and individual. And by that I mean it's the stuff that we initiate in our lives, that we cause by the decisions that we make, the responses or the reactions that occur when someone, a wife maybe, a good friend, a work colleague, etc., etc., uh, uh, maybe uh, levels at us, 
how do we respond? Or something that just we initiate ourselves because of our fear or insecurity, insecurity or a whole lot of so, other so reasons. What you're trying to say here, that we make those choices, um, can you be more, you know, clear? Can you give us a little suggestions here? Of what these could be? Yes, uh, and I think that we'll accelerate through these pretty quickly because we've got a, quite a bit of ground to cover uh, today and we're hoping that you'll really come away with the main and the salient points that, we, that Gina and I are trying to make uh, in this ministry. And, uh, and so we're going to just kind of put the pedal to the metal and go through them real quickly. So let's these deliberate, these deliberate choices that we react to or which we initiate is what we're going to be speaking about right now. Number one, selfish desires. Okay, that's self-explanatory because I just want things to go my way. Um, you know, uh, for goodness sake, I don't know why you can't adjust to that at all because that's, that's what it's about, isn't it? Yeah, so very often a person, you know, who is, is, is suffering from a con conflict has initiated it because they have, for various reasons, which we won't dig too deeply into the, this morning, for various reasons, they have a domineering, a dictatorial, a controlling way in which they handle this. It's kind of like, it's my way or the highway kind of philosophy or attitude when they come into a conflict situation. And with that kind of attitude and that approach to, to conflict, um, there's just no go, no openness. Um, it's a closed door. Um, you're either going to make that adjustment or you're on your own. But yeah, and I would say it's harsh too, it is, Gina, it? and unloving. Wouldn't yeah, you agree? That's an understatement. Yeah. And then we have the other issue of pride. And, you know, the Word of God is full of pride. God does not look kindly upon pride. But it's something that we struggle with as we go through life all the time. Pride is the first sin. We've, we've often said pride, pride is the granddaddy of all sins. That's right. And then we've got greed. And this, and I, I'm trying to think about this, but it actually is, is this an attitude of entitlement. I... I'm entitled to this. This comes through a lot with teenagers, okay? Like, you know, why am I not given this? Why, why don't I have the best clothes? Why don't I have the best iPad these days? They forget about the clothes. Why haven't you updated all my tech gadgets? Yeah, well, we'll get to that later. But, um, but that's how greed goes. It's, it's, it's an entitled, an attitude of entitlement. You, because, because I'm your child and you brought me into this world, I deserve to have these things. And look what John and Mary have got, and why haven't I got it? Yeah, right. Wow. That's, that's, that's something that um, teenagers have a problem with, and they create the conflict with their parents when they start thinking, you know, uh, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, my parents are against me, they never listen to me, and it goes on and on and on. They create a conflict straight away in the home. Then we have envy, which is a... Which is something that... And, um, and, and envy, if, if I can just uh, interject here, Gina, envy takes the form of maybe, let's just say I'm throwing some things out there. Some people say that sometimes when you minister, it's like having a scattergun, you know what that is, a shotgun, and you pull off uh, you know, the shot and the, and the pellets all scatter somewhere, and some, some of them hit the target and some of them don't, depending on how far you are away from the target. You guys are quite far away, so I can kind of uh, use the scattergun. And he's not spitting this morning, so just go for it. <laughs> So, so uh, here are some of the ways in which envy can precipitate uh, conflict in the lives of people. 
envying someone else's gifting. Well, they're so gifted, and I feel uh, insecure, and I feel inadequate because I can't speak, and I can't uh, articulate and, 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 and minister in the same way as this particular person. I feel like I've got nothing to offer. And, uh, and, envy and then of possessions. Envy of, of, of careers would be another thing as well, possessions and, and careers. Envy uh, of approval. My husband has advanced and got promotions quicker than I have, or my friend has got promotions quicker than I have. And so envy comes in and, and it manifests itself in, in precipitating a conflict in our lives. And then we thought of the one that's laziness, and it's, it's basically saying that you take no responsibility for anything. Um, and that, that, that puts aside the attitude of teamwork, working together, trying to bring about something, supporting each other. Um, you're not involved in that. It's an abusive, abusing privileges again. Um, and, you know, there's nothing worse. I don't know about you, but one thing that used to irk my parents is when they used to come home and find my brother um, lying around. Um, but he wants his lunch, but he's got his legs up, and mommy's running around all over the place. Oh, laziness manifests itself in some teenagers, some serious business there. So that's another thing. And then we talk about jealousy. Yes. Yeah. That's a biggie. Yeah, for sure. It's very insecure. <laughs> right. It's very insecure in relationships. Jealousy manifests itself in insecurity yeah. in relationships. So it breeds no trust. Yeah, it kind of raises its ugly head when a person is vying with another person because yes. they have maybe been promoted quicker than they have. No, I'm sure that you're sitting there this morning and you can add to our list, but as we said, we've got a motor on along here. So then one of the things that we want to talk about is the consequences of some of our choices. You know, um, as Christians, we've got to realize, or just people, we've got to realize that we do not get away with anything. Okay? Definitely When not. we have sinned, when we have failed, uh, and, and we've gone through just a, a quick list of what sparks, what's in, what initiates and precipitates conflict. We've gone through those few there, jealousy, laziness, envy, greed, pride, uh, dictatorial attitudes, etc. Those are the main ones, and as Gina said, you could add po possibly quite a few more to it, but I think those main ones cover the majority of reasons why there is conflict in our lives. Galatians but there is consequences. Oh, sorry. sorry, there's consequences there for are, that. sweetie, there are. Galatians <laughs> chapter 6 verse 7 says, do not deceive yourselves. No one makes a fool of God. A man reaps exactly what he sows. And, you know, that, that is a reality. Whether it's positive, whether it's negative, whatever you're sowing, you will reap. You may not always see it in your life at the time, but some of the things that we, what, some of us are products of what our parents have sown into our lives. Mm. Ooh, it hurts. But that is what sometimes we have the opportunity in Christ break this morning cycle. to break this cycle. To say, you know, I, I remember, I'll just share with you quickly. Oh, I need to stand. Sorry, I have a bad back and a bad whatever this Thank morning. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> but I need to stand. Um, I remember, uh, <clears throat> I lost my train of thought. That's what happens in old age. <laughs> oh, we'll go on to that. Okay. Um, but reaping what we what we sow um is, is yeah, yeah it's gone it's gone, <laughs> it's gone. Uh, yeah if we if we reap if we sow dis disloyalty we'll get disloyalty in a relationship if we sow disrespect we will get disrespect in a relationship if we sow mistrust we will get mistrust i don't know if you've ever met people that seem 
to always think that their, their partner or their boyfriend and girlfriend has always been disloyal to them. It's because it's in their own heart, often, you know? Yeah. And it's often in their own hearts. There's insecurities in their own heart and they look around looking for spooks or ghosts or whatever you want to call them. And sure enough, you're going to find them. I'm telling you, you will. But whatever you sow into a relationship, you are going to reap that. And you're going to reap the consequences of that. And our bad decisions um, always come up. And, and, um, but, Gina, you, you know, the, the, the good news is that yes. we have the power of God. Absolutely. We have the, the truth. Yes. And it is stronger than the lie. Yes. It is stronger than what heritage and background yes. and our origins and, and whatever we've come from, bad, medium, or good, you, uh, the, the power of the gospel can break that, that cycle. We've yes. been a long time in the ministry, and we have seen it broken. We do not have to live Hallelujah. in that unending cycle of disruption, bitterness, anger, hatred, unforgiveness, and every other sin that you could imagine. And you we know, don't. It's just not, yeah. sorry, it's just not good enough. It's not good enough to go around and say, you know, I'm Irish, and Irish, and Irish people behave like that, or that's just my disposition. You know, come on, come on. Take come, it or leave it. Suck yeah, it up yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah. you know. That's, just, that's not, just me. It's just not good. That's it's an not excuse. A good excuse. It's not a good one either, because, um, you, you know, that, those, those things in Christ, you, you become a new New, new creation, creation in Christ. All those things are passed away. All things become new. You can't hang your, ba your bag or your, your coat on that anymore. So get over it, okay? Yes. Um, people say, oh, well, you know, I come from South Africa, uh, whatever, you know, and I was in part of the apartheid. Get over it. <laughs> As a Christian, get over it. We are new in Christ, and Christ expects us and wants us to live in obedience to his word. And that's how we live, to actually fulfill the purposes of God in our life. What is the will of God? Is that we live and, and live righteously for the Lord. That's his will. So I think that this segues very, very, very nicely into the, the wrong ways of, of, of dealing with, with uh, uh, conflict. We've already dealt with uh, the, my way or the highway. And that attitude of being king dictator or queen dictator for that matter, has really got to de be dealt with, brought to the foot of the cross. And maybe you had a bad role model from the past. Maybe your father was like that, or your mother was like that, or circumstances molded you in some kind of a way in which you found yourself disadvantaged, possibly, in your childhood, have, have molded your attitude, and you have the attitude of king dictator. Again, I have to say that the power of the gospel and the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit can break those chains Amen. of bondage yes, and Lord. can break those those Do patterns that. Do in that, our Jesus, lives. In Jesus' name. And that's Thank what's you. so wonderful about serving him. Yes. He gives us the power to be able to overcome, with that, overcome that and deal with being king or queen, yes. dictator, men yes. and women this applies to. And another wrong way of dealing with conflict is the silence treatment. Oh, ladies, we're so good at this one aren't we? We're so good. It's a responsive, unresponsive reaction. It's a form of passive aggression. You're saying something, but you ain't kind of saying it, you know. Uh, there is nothing, you, you're kind of saying, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. Um, or you're, you're refusing to deal with it. And I think that Phil brought in his ministry once, that it's, it's manipulation. A form, a form it's a form of, of manipulation. manipulation. And it has its roots in insecurity. There is the other side of silence. Sometimes people are silenced because 
of the partner that they're dealing with or the conflict they're trying to work through. They'd rather be silent because they, the retribution, the behavior of that partner uh, is, is, it is may it may spark something oh, yeah. it may spark some violence is what what we're saying yes. there but there's also a, another kind of valid silence is is when God says say nothing but that's not what we're speaking about here we're speaking about actually saying matters. nothing but in fact you're saying something and conveying a message that is very very clear uh, out of your insecurity and and uh, in just in a different matter from from articulating it. My mother always used to say to me, um, sweetie pie, listen to me, when you're in disagreement with anybody, don't look at them, because your eyes tell a secret. So, <laughs> ladies, be careful of that one. And then we play the blame game, you know, uh, or the victim mentality, you're always taking the blame. And, and that's, a, that's kind of like a form of neg negative projection onto yourself. Like, I'm always at fault. Yeah, I guess I'm wrong all over again. Oh boy, that I don't sounds know. like me. Some of, them are, uh, of you are smiling out there. I think this maybe relates to you or you can identify with this particular one. Uh, but that is true. That's a, a way in which we shouldn't process. Or otherwise we just agree. Conflict. Okay, whatever you say. I just agree. If you say so. Is, can whatever. be a, a response. Whatever. It's my favorite one. Whatever. Whatever. And then yeah. you have the wise guy comments about yeah, family. That's when you're in a conflict situation, in a relationship, not necessarily in a marriage, uh, but more so possibly this is uh, applicable to a marriage, when you come up with the wise guy's comments and the wise guy uh, 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 cracks. Such as, you know, you just like your brother. You know, you got this irritating thing, you're just like your brother. Or you remind me about your sister. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Rather yours than mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gina's had so a problem with that, you can see it. <laughs> and you know, the bottom line of this is, yes, you may have a very awkward and a very irritating and frustrating sister-in-law or sister, but the fact is that that person who you are in conflict with still loves that person and still cares for them. And you cannot, as the opposite person uh, in the conflict, just write them off or say disparaging things or non-complimentary, have those kind of sayings said about that person because that person still loves that sister, maybe. Yes. <laughs> and the next one is that we don't personalize things, don't, don't personalize appearances, don't personalize actions. Um, it's for, you know, I'm, I'm very conscious of you know, how parents talk to children as well. Uh, I've heard it, I hear it all the time on the playground or wherever and running the school that we had in South Africa as well, um, is if a child is misbehaving, it's like, you're a real bad little girl. Or, you know, you're just so foolish. I wanted to use that other word. But, stupid, and, yeah. and, <laughs> and Gareth always correct me, Granny, don't say stupid. Oh, you're really stupid. Instead, what we should be saying is, the thing you did was really bad. The thing you said was really foolish. The thing you said or did was really stupid. Listen to this quote, and it's a powerful quote. It is easier to build up a child than it is to repair an adult. So choose your words wisely. Lindsay and I have been involved in drug addiction counseling for quite a few years as well. And I'm telling you, this thing that I've just said has the roots in that. 
okay? When people have spoken badly over people, I'm telling you, it's, it's what we teach at school. Repetition, repetition, repetition. The, the more you're saying the same thing over and over again. Negative the person, or positive. Or positive, yeah. that's right. The person actually learns, well, you know what, I must be like that. They start living out. And I'm out. going to be like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. They start living out the very thing that's spoken over them. There's, you know, Choose our words. That correctly. very well-known passage of Scripture, life and death is in the power, power of the tongue. Power of the tongue, that's right. And... Um, so talking about words that you say, when you're in a conflict situation, these are some of the, the don'ts, some of the things that, that you should avoid that we're just uh, working through right now. And one of the phrases that you should really steer clear with uh, whenever you are engaged in conflict or there's argumentation is try and not to say you never or you always. Those are two phrases that you should be uh, trying to avoid with everything that you have in your heart. Try and, and avoid those. Those are one of the easiest ones we use all the time, but it has a way. Uh, why of why is that? Because the, 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 those kind of ter that ter kind of terminology recalls past failures. It brings those past failures up before the person that you're trying to resolve conflict with, and 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 all you're doing is putting it on the plate again, laying it on the table again, <laughs> and uh, it doesn't solve the problem one little bit. It's not. Helpful. And it moves into my next point about saying, don't save grievances. Don't save them for, for the future conflict. It's like a, a driver that's constantly looking in the rearview mirror. You know, um, all you're seeing is the past. All you're seeing is things that have happened. What you're not, what you're not looking is in the front. Where actually, if you're looking in the front, if you're continuously looking behind you, there is an accident piling up in front of you. You've got to be careful of that. Someone once said, that's why we've got a big windscreen in the front and a little rear view mirror either at the top and at the sides of the car <laughs> because we need to be looking forward to the things that are coming in the future and not harking back to the things that maybe we're digging up old bones and bringing them to the fore again. There's a sense, of course, that you can say, but Lindsay, we need to look back in the, uh, to the past in some respects. Yes, only to learn the lessons, dear friends. Yes. Only to learn yes. the lessons. Yes. But otherwise, we press forward. That's what Paul said. Yeah, forgetting not, the past. Not looking forward. back at the past, not harking back to the past. Just to learn the lessons. You know, in, in South Africa or in Africa, there's a little beetle. He's, he's, about, he's about an inch and a half. He's an ugly looking little thing. But anyway, With he's an inch horn. and a half. And he's called the, the dung beetle, D-U-N-G. Now, I could use a whole lot of other little words to explain to you what dung is. <laughs> but Lindsay said to me, no, you dare not. <laughs> okay. Dung is when uh, uh, other animals drop their droppings and whatever. And this little beetle goes along, and he'll just start with just a little thing of Tiny dung. Tiny little ball. And yeah. he'll start rolling it. But the funny thing about this little beetle, he never rolls forward. He rolls backwards. Looking he back rolls backwards and he looks back. And he goes like this. I've got to watch it. Oh, he's better at this. <laughs> and this little beetle, he'll roll this little ball of mm, okay? And he'll continuously roll it until the ball becomes bigger than him. He's sitting perched on top of this ball of mm, okay? Quite, it's quite fascinating to watch. We've watched it it's, quite it's a number of times. Really. But this morning I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning and thought, what the heck does that beetle do with that ball of mm? What, what actually happens to it? And then Lindsay said to me, actually, he buries it. And he goes back later and he feeds upon it. I want to tell you, we load up a whole lot of things in our relationships Crap. and our yeah. conflicts. And eventually we're sitting on the pile of 
<laughs> and we don't know how to get off it, but what we do is we continuously feed at this ball of rubbish. Yep, yep, yep. Nice. Nice beetles in Africa. So then we go into the one that you love. Don't exaggerate. Oh, well, that's... Oh, what's that one? No, exaggerate. Grievances oh, for the future. Oh, my goodness. It's like putting... Will you please put the toilet seat down? <laughs> uh, you, you've left it down the last thousandth time today. You talk about exaggeration. Thousands, like uh, once in six months. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes the response is, you're always leaving that seat up. <laughs> I read or on down. Facebook and a guy turned around and said, ladies, could we ask you to put the seat up when you finished? <laughs> Whatever, it's a, it's it's a reverse the, way it's of looking Mars at it, I guess. It's the Mars and the Venus thing, the two different things. I don't know about you guys, I'm telling you right now, to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and want to go to the toilet seat, and you want to go to the toilet, and you need to go to the toilet desperately, you sit on the toilet seat, and the seat is up, you've got four inches, and you've fallen in. <laughs> it's a very, very uncomfortable situation to be in. So, 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 the, so the, the, point is, the point is, don't exaggerate, because <laughs> all that exaggeration does in, when you're engaged in, in a conflict situation is that it inflames and it inflates Flates. the issue, makes it bigger, makes it larger don't, than what it is. And one of the big things, too, in, in conflict, too, is don't change the subject. Don't change the subject. Stay focused on the subject. Because, honestly, in all relationships, there's a heck of a lot of stuff that you could add. But you'll never get to what really provoked this conflict. Stick to the subject. We're going to go quite fast and now with these. And then don't dismiss... Don't dismiss the issue as insignificant. This is something that women struggle with is, uh, uh, quite seriously. The guys will say, oh, you're just nitpicking. It's not so serious. Listen, whoever is bringing up the, the, the issue to deal with, it's important to that person. Don't make it as insignificant, even if, it, even if it's not relevant to what you are feeling. To minimize something to basically dishonors the other yes. person. And, and, and the next one is patronizing. Don't, don't be patronizing. There's nothing worse than, than feeling that someone is speaking down to you, where some husbands are so domineering that they get the wife to, you know, sometimes they get it, get it right. I don't know how. Maybe they've been browbeaten so much that, that they, the wives just submit in this way and sit down and talk down to them like a little child is being spoken to. It's a patronizing kind of an attitude, and it's meant to demean the other person. And, and even if you don't realize it, it is demeaning of the other person to, deal, to try to deal with them in that manner. And that actually, that's really talking to, to parents addressing children as well. Don't patronize children. Be honest about all things. Sometimes it's hard to explain what you're feeling because you see things differently, but that is a fact. And then... <laughs> I just put this in because I was thinking about something that Pastor Phil said. Don't reference other people in your conflict. Please do not invite Pastor Phil into your conflicts. Okay? Don't. Don't bring other people into your conflict. You know what? Last week, Pastor Phil preached on that, and you know now you're not doing it. Or, 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 or you addressing that. me on this thing, but you know what? You laugh when your brother does this thing, you know? And so you bring in someone else to justify your own maybe negative behavior, bad behavior, or whatever. So those are all the negatives that we're talking how not to. That's the slippery slope, and we've got a lovely thing on the screen. I think it's, can it be put on the screen what the slippery slope looks like? Yeah, just lift oh, it up a little bit. Oh, my goodness. There we go. Oh, uh, that's what Gareth, you like that? <laughs> Pretty good. It's more, it's more clear down here. Oh, yeah, it looks good down here. You yeah. guys want to come here and have a look? <laughs> um, that's that's th what we've just spoken to you about is 
is you know, bringing your conflicts and your relationship into, onto a slippery slope, an escalation of almost no return. Yeah, all all those, kind of those six or seven or ten things that we've just touched on uh, brings us to the slippery slope. Actually, it doesn't help. It's not helpful. It brings us deeper into the conflict. So we want to move on real quick because our time is going by and say that there is a right way of processing conflict. And uh, one of the most important is this, face the issue. If we don't face the issue, what we're doing is we're creating, it, it has the potential to create a crack or wedge in your relationship, really. And by doing that, what we're doing when we're not facing the issue as well is that we're giving the devil access to the situation. And yes. to this opportunity. And, you know, he's coming to rob, steal, and destroy. That's his whole mandate on, 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 on earth. And part of the way in which we face the issue is, is that if at all possible, we need to prepare a setting for the discussion. We need to defer it if necessary, but never avoid it or postpone it indefinitely. But there just is a suitable and a right time when a person's ire is up, when their temperature level is very, very high and and, and, uh, and the, the anger level has, has risen in the, rela in the uh, uh, communication or negative communication between the two people, probably not the best time to, to deal with it. But don't leave it indefinitely because that's when the devil mm. can actually get a foot in and he can begin to, to take advantage of the situation. He's coming to kill. The thief is coming to kill and to rob and destroy. And so if we let him get the initiative, or we surrender the, the initiative to him, we've lost the opportunity of being able to actually deal with the situation and glorify the Lord in the dealing of the situation. So maybe wait for a little while and, 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 and look for an opportune time when, when tempers have flared and they've, uh, they've subsided somewhat and the anger level has gone down then to not just sweep it under the carpet, but to address it. That's where a lot of situations come into the, the, the case of uh, sometimes women throwing things, men throwing things, um, hitting each other. You need to remove yourself, even as parents. I want to encourage you. She threw a thing at me so, once I never in found the 45 it. years. I never ever found it in 45 <laughs> years. So it must have been a pretty good throw. But... Um, uh, <laughs> just had to throw that in there, sorry. Yeah, no, I love you. You just totally... <laughs> Uh, I've lost my thought. <laughs> As parents, we need to be very careful of that. If we feel that our, our temper is ruling our actions, we need to remove ourselves. And you can even say, which Lindsay and I have done to our children, you just wait. Uh, I just need to, just, I'll be back. Just, just, that's the worst time yeah. to tell children. Take a little wait. time out. <laughs> but it's, it's good to do that because that's where you, if you're going in with anger, you, you can lose control and you need to take control of your situation. But you know what? You're always finding the person that loses control is not the one that actually wins the argument. It's the one that stays calm. It is the truth. I had to learn that the hard way. Okay, so uh, that is the truth. Just stay calm. Take control. And those guys that have got short little tempers uh, or short fuses or whatever you want to call it, take control. Remove yourself. And turn down the volume. Oh We're goodness. talking about the positive side. We're trying to resolve. Not, these are not the don'ts. These are the do's. Turn down the volume. We don't want everyone... 
next-door neighbors and others, particularly if you have a Christian testimony, hearing, you know, you engaged in a screaming match with one another ruins your testimony, and it just isn't good. It's, 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 an, it's not a... There is an anger, of course, in, in which we sin not, but that's an anger in which we do sin because anger has the upper hand in a situation it's, it's such a, as it's, that. It's a nasty testimony for children too. A lot of us have actually been brought up just that type of thing where we've only ever seen our parents screaming and shouting at each other, and we think that's the norm. Well, it's not. It's not the norm. G Gina and I have tried to practice. It's hard, it's tough, it's humiliating, but we've tried to actually practice that when we've done something and we know that it was wrong, to actually have called our kids, and they're all grown up now, of course, and we've got grandchildren, but to call our kids in and say, Mum and Dad actually blew it. We did something that was wrong here, and we didn't handle it right and we want to apologize to you. Learn how to apologize. That, that's how the Spirit of God gives you grace to humble yourself and deal with it. That will, that will pay dividends in your kids that you have no idea uh, of the amount of dividend that will pay when they see that you're willing to say, look, I'm not perfect. Mum and, mum and, mum and Dad had this argument and we, we shouldn't have had it pu publicly or whatever the case may be, however it went down and we really are sorry about it, and we, we are thankful that the Lord asks, uh, gives us forgiveness, and we're asking you kids, please forgive us. See, the, the thing is, what we don't realize is that you can't, fool, you can't fool a kid. You can't. Children perceive things, they see things, um, not that they always got it correctly in, 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 in um, perspective, but that is reality, and um, <clears throat> When we do that, it's something that, uh, that was brought up in the ministry a couple of weeks ago, is that we create a safe environment for our children as well. We're teaching them that actually when you do make mistakes, you can ask for forgiveness. And you're not pretending, you know, the, the, one of the things that we find as we go along, yeah, I know, it's getting out of hand here. <laughs> one of the things that we learn as we go along in, in our life and as, old, as we're getting older is people are turned against the church for this very thing of hypocrisy. Um, you say something, and you, but you act differently. And we need to put that under wraps by the Holy Spirit. We really do. We really do. We have to live out the Word of God actively and, and not just verbally, but actively as well. And another point in positively uh, resolving conflict is that we need to listen to what the other party has to say. We've kind of covered that a little bit with some of the don'ts. And, but, but it's not about winning the argument. Sometimes we feel really, in South Africa we use the word chuffed, it means, you know, feel like uh, cocky about, uh, oh, we really put them in that place and that? I verbally just demolished her arguments or his arguments or my friend's arguments or my workmate's arguments and put them in their place, you know. It's not about winning the argument. Yes. It's not about putting another notch on your belt and say, I handled that thing. The object of re re resolving conflict is that we can actually achieve that and glorify God and come together and preserve the thing that is the most precious to us. And that's our relationship that we have with our friend, our child, uh, our partner, uh, our spouse, whatever the case may be. That is the goal, to glorify God in that the relationship is restored. And some of the things that we need to realize too is that we can get a situation where, where it, 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 
we need to accept the differences. We spoke about that because women are different. We, we, we are moved by our emotions. Men are moved by the practical thing, you know, just like really. We don't have to always agree. Yes on the issue at hand. But there's uh, unity and diversity. Uh, yes, and, there and, and there's, there's also the need for us to compromise. Now, yes. a lot of people, when they hear the word compromise, they only put the negative yes. connotation or definition to that. Oh, compromise is a bad thing. It's a thing when you have some uh, very uh, strongly held convictions in your heart, moral issues, let's say, or social issues, or spiritual convictions, and because of fear or because you were in some situation, you compromised and you didn't speak out or you agreed with something that actually wasn't true in your own heart. That's the negative compromise that we so often uh, associate compromise with. But there's a positive compromise, and that's when your conscience is not violated, when there's something where, look, it's not the end of the earth if you come one mile towards your partner or towards your friend and they make the effort to come a mile towards you, and you lay something down, it's like, kind of like a football match. Uh, you may not agree with, the, with the, 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 the decision of the coach or the decision of the so captain that, that you are going to uh, kick, kick a field goal. And, and he's ra rather said, uh, uh, you've rather felt, no, we're going to go for the touchdown. We shouldn't try and kick the field goal. Leave that decision for the moment. But you're part of a team, and you go with the decision, and the decision is made. And right or wrong, you have made the decision. It's not the end of the world, and that's a positive and a good compromise that we can engage in. You know, it's, it's, it's one of the things that we lose sight of in any relationship, is that we're not competing. Don't get the attitude of we're continuously competing in a relationship, especially marriage. We should be complementing each other. If I'm continuously competing with my husband, I'm actually doing myself a disfavor and a disservice because I'm playing down the potentials that God does have in me because I'm trying to be what he, uh, he isn't or whatever. I want to be better than him kind of thing, you know. Um, but we're not in competitions with each other. We find this a lot with children as well. They're constantly competing with each other. We should be complementing other, each other rather than that. And two little, two little uh, phrases that can help tremendously. When you've worked through these positive things, and we've given you half a dozen positive things and how you can resolve conflict. When you've done that, then uh, remember these two little phrases. It helps tremendously. Even if you've been partially to blame, it's a good thing to practice. I'm sorry. Just to say those two words, deal with pride, deal with your arrogance, deal with your, 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 your sense of wanting always to be right, and say the words, I'm sorry, and I'll try. It will bring about... Isn't he sweet? Okay, we've got to accelerate quickly, Lovey, because we've got but five the, minutes. The, the thing that we, 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 we conclude this section with is that, but we must remember how precious our relationships are. They are precious. We are one minute here and one minute we're not here on earth. And, 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 and some of us look back at our life and think, and, oh, and I, I just regret. quickly want to put in this, this, this example. Look at your relationship, and I specifically speak of marriage here, but it applies, as I said, to, to the broader. Uh, marriage is not like a bowl of fruit on your dining room table that you come past and you take yourself a pear and an apple and a banana and a pineapple or whatever the case may be, and you're just taking out of that bowl, and you're just taking out of that bowl all of the time. Marriage should rather be seen as a field into which we sow seed, that we cultivate, with the view 
to getting a return and a harvest. You know, Paul quoted Jesus, and he said this. Jesus said, it is better, or, or it is more blessed to give. give than to receive. He didn't say that it wasn't blessed to receive. I love receiving. You love receiving. You love receiving from your boss, from your wife, from uh, comp compliment and being affirmed, or whatever the children. case may be, a financial windfall, etc., etc., your children. It's a good thing to receive. But Jesus said this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when you look at marriage like a field that you sow in and that you cultivate, what you are doing is that you are accomplishing both of those things. You are giving to other people. You are having a servant attitude. You are serving other people. You are so showing what servant, servant leadership is if you're the husband or as the wife in, 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 in her role or in business, uh, managers, etc., etc., uh, superintendents, etc., you are showing what servant leadership is, and that's more blessed. But you know what? It has always a return. When I bless this woman that God gave to me, I find the blessing coming back to me more than I can contain. Good measure, pressed down, and running over is how God gives when we have the servant attitude. And that should extend also, and, and I do see it in our pastor, Pastor Phil. Uh, it should be the expression of servant leadership. That's how Jesus did it. He said, I'm amongst you him that as, as, as he that serves. Uh, I, 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 he, he said, if you want to be greatest of all in the kingdom, then you've got to be the servant. And so Jesus expressed that. He expressed that and showed that in the washing of the disciples' feet and in many other examples. He expressed that servanthood. And that servanthood attitude, that attitude of not just taking, taking, taking. Why? Because when you take, 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 eventually it empties out and you have to replenish what is inside there. And you can't because you've taken it all out and you've sewn nothing back in. Yes, that's right. And we have a lot of people that we've met throughout our, our lives and have come to us and we've done some counseling and they'll turn around and say, I've fallen out of love. <coughs> Serious? I've fallen out of love. And that normally is because that relationship has not been replenished. Something can shrivel and die if it's not, I'm, I'm trying to do a lot of gardening and I, I come back sometimes and I look and, you know, I think, oh my goodness. And I feel the soil, it's dry as anything. You need to put back that which you're taking Amen. out in yeah. a relationship. Sowing is a, pro, is, is a, is a, is a verb. Proactive, it's an active. Yeah. Mm. It's proactive. And the same, okay. the same here, yeah. I'm getting Let's do that. three and then we'll land this airplane. Okay, we're going to land the airplane. Um, so for me, it, one of the things that I, um, I'm, I'm, I uh, try and teach my grandchildren to is think before you speak. Think before you speak. Sometimes just take a backward step and think before you speak. We're very quick to talk. Um, think means, T stands for, is it true? Is this issue that I want to bring up with true. my friend true? Is this issue that I want to bring up with my, my spouse or my mother or my father or my work, is it true? Is, does it really have any relevance? Is it really, really true? H stands for helpful. Yes. Is this really helpful right now? I stands for inspiring. Are we inspiring and uplifting that person through the thing that we're saying? And goodness sake, is this really necessary? N stands for necessary. Do, is this really something that I need to be doing right now? Is it necessary? And, and K, finally, in the word think, stands for is it kind? 
kindness. Jesus speaks about that all the time. Kindness brings gentleness, gentleness. Colossians 3:13. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievance you may have against each other. 1 Peter 4, verse 8. Above all things, have fervent love for one another. Love will cover a multitude of sins. Yeah, we mustn't overlook the whole thing of forgiveness as Christians. That's the basic of our faith, forgiveness. We need to learn to forgive, and we must do it not looking back, but looking forward for what Jesus so has can, done for us. So can the Lord be in our, uh, in our uh, 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 re- resolution of, of, of conflict, he wants to be. He wants to be glorified. Uh, uh, and, and what we've got to see here is that the Lord can be glorified if we handle it. And, you know, you might say, well, in the heat of the moment, Lindsay, all these things sound very great. Gina, you've given some points, etc., etc. But in the heat of the moment, we don't even think of those things. But I'm challenging you today to think of those things. Think how you can better resolve conflict so that you don't have just an ongoing cycle in your life you know, and that you can say, glorify If we say we are um, born-again Christians and children of the Lord, he is intimately involved in every aspect of our life and of our lives, and that includes being involved in the conflict. I mean, sometimes I think, dear Lord Jesus, I hope you're not around right now. You know, I hope, mm, I hope you don't look. Don't look. <laughs> but he is. He doesn't just choose not to be there. He is involved with it, and we need to learn how to glorify him. We need to know how to serve others in the middle of your conflict. When you're serving, you're taking the focus off yourself. And There's a passage in the book of uh, Proverbs 11, verse 25, that says, he that waters, in the old language, it says, he that waters shall be watered also himself. It can be translated in the modern translations, he that refreshes shall be refreshed himself. And you know what? When you encourage and when you have a servant attitude toward the other and you refresh them and you water them and you have that servant uh, uh, mindset, then you yourself will be ministered to. I remember hearing a story, just real quick, of a person who went into a hospital to pray for someone who'd, who'd uh, ended up in a terrible accident and was, and was seriously maimed. And he, after about half an hour being with him, he went out and he confided to a friend and said, you know, I went in there to minister to that person, uplift them and to bless them, but I've come away ministered to and blessed. It's just an, an amazing thing. I came to give, but I have, been, I have received while I've come to minister. That's what happens when you minister with a servant attitude. And I think forgiveness too has, um, has obviously has a great part in our lives. And I, I, I myself heard a story the other day about, uh, it was to do with, and I, I was just talking to Zach the other day, um, the scripture that's come to my mind so often recently uh, was Second um, Corinthians about my grace is sufficient for you, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And that's inviting Jesus in when we're dealing with conflict. But there was a story about a mother who, who was phoned by the school principal to say, you better come and take your child. There's been some bad behavior. Um, you need to take this child out of school right now. And she was furious, to say the least. And um, she was driving along to the school, banging the steering wheel and saying, when I get this little, mm, I'm going to really smash him up. I'm so angry. I'm so humiliated. And she's going on and on and on. God, help me. Give me wisdom. Please give me the right words in between all that. And as she got to the school, she saw her son, and God said, I want you to show him grace. Yeah. Because all I've ever done for you was to show you grace and grace and grace. And she got, he got into the car, and he looked at her waiting for this big avalanche of whatever, assault, and she said nothing. She drove off to his favorite ice cream parlor and said, sit. 
You choose the best ice cream. I know which one you like, Rocky Road or whatever it was. You choose that. And he thought, when is it coming? You know, she's always, you know, biting my sounding head off, off and sounding off or whatever. Yeah. And she never did. And he just ate his ice cream and eventually he couldn't take it. And he, <laughs> he burst out crying and confessing what he had done wrong at school. And that's grace. That's grace. We cannot live our lives without grace. I'll give you another story, and this I'll end with this and invite you people to listen to this. It's a Japanese art, and I don't know the name. I'm not even going to try and pretend to speak in Japanese. Okay, that's Dutch. <laughs> okay. They, they, they created this beautiful ceramic vase. Vase, vase, vase. We say vase, we say vase. And they create this beautiful vase, and then they just break it. Boom. And you think, my goodness gracious me. Okay. But then they pick it up. And they glue these pieces together with gold. Fuse them. Fuse them with gold. And it becomes the most exquisite piece of art. And I'm putting out to you this morning that a lot of us sit here and we've got broken relationships. We think it's impossible. How can we ever do it? Yeah. Yes. You think it's impossible, but God comes along and he picks up those broken pieces and he fuses it. The gold represents God's grace, God's grace that we cannot survive without. And we encourage you to look at these things, listen to these things, take a time to listen, take, take things and, and admit, look, I'm a lady that makes mistakes, you know, really, I'm, I'm, I constantly make mistakes, there he's behind in, in, me. Okay. In, in ancient Persia and Two seconds, we'll be done. In ancient per Persia, there are those that weave tapestry and carpentry and carpets. And they did it with such great skill. And they would apprentice their sons to actually learn the skill of the trade. And when the day came after the apprenticeship was kind of over and training was, was, was done, they would invite the son to weave his own tapestry and he would weave it with, with loose threads, with mist, mist stitches and with a lot of, a lot of, um, help me, the stitches, the carpet, stitches, inconsistencies, not, um, help me. Uh, oh my goodness, today. <laughs> um, uh, what is the right word? Sorry, we can't find yeah, that word. Uh, uh, with, with, with all of those lost stitches and the inconsistencies of, 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 of the skill. And the father, the father, no, the father would come alongside and would watch him. He wouldn't unpick all of his work. What he would do, oh, imperfections was the word I was looking for. And with the imperfections of the new, the new carpet weaver, he wouldn't unpick them, but he would be alongside and come alongside, and he would weave the skill of his perfection over the imperfections of the lost stitches, missed stitches, and the thread ends, and the imperfections. And that's how God deals with us. He weaves his perfection over our imperfection. That is, what, that is what he's done with Gina and I, and that is what he will do 
in your relationships as well, if you will allow him. He won't unpick it all. He'll say there's lessons here to be learned, but let me weave over it. That's the God of grace and of love and of incredible commitment of kindness and gentleness towards us. You see, he made a wonderful promise to his father. He said, I will present them to you without spot and without blemish. That's his commitment to the Father, so he's going to do that to each one of us. We're going to stand before the Godhead without a spot and without a blemish. Thank you. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.